0: cold Sunday morning. Amen. Turn to a couple of people and give them a warm handshake. Tell them you're glad they made it. Tell them God's going to bless them for being here. morning that we signify to the Lord that it's not about any particular person here or about the music, about the bank sale that's going to happen later, praise God. All these things are great, all these things are wonderful, but I want to let God know from the outset that my intentions don't have anything to do with anything carnal but only Him. Amen. So for just a few moments, would you lift your hands or lift your voice? Do what you need to do and let God know that. Jesus, Lord, in these next few moments, God, we're going to open up your word. We want to open it with reverence. We want to open it with an understanding that we can get revelation. We can be changed, God. Lord, speak in this room this morning, God. Speak to us today. Speak into lives, to lives specifically ears, the in, in, in different arms. situations. Speak an answer, Amen. Speak, speak a lesson to us, God. Speak what we need to hear, dear Jesus, Amen. We'll, we'll receive whatever you have for us, God, and we'll be thankful for it. We'll apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Jesus, everybody said Amen. 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 You can be seated. I want to. Uh, quickly mention to you the, uh, something that's new that we're doing. Uh, we now have a podcast that we do out of our church, and so what that is, if you have an iPhone or something of that nature, there's an app that's a podcasting app, and what it is, it's all audio, audio files, and you can look up our church on there, and every sermon is going to be on there. You can go back and listen to it. So just the audio, you can, you can find that, and I can help you get there if you'd like. If you got your bulletin this morning, um, if you would turn to the scriptures that are in there. I'm going to be honest and forthright with you. We have a series of lessons that we teach. And I feel led in a direction that's slightly different than what lesson would take me. And so this morning, uh, I'm not going off script, okay? Uh, I've got something that I think God wants us to hear if we'll listen. And so uh, for that reason, we're going to completely skip that focus verse that's on the left side of your bulletin. And I want to read from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, which is on the right side. And it says this, and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Down to verse 21, it says, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And thus, the interesting, the complicated, the essential thing called relationships began that's what I really want to talk about this morning is relationships. Now, let me back up a little bit to the beginning of Genesis. Uh, Brother Josh, these may be in there, I'm not sure, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you can read along on the screen. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There is something that is believed in some theological circles called the gap theory. And what the gap theory is, I'm not preaching to you today that this is absolute truth. I'm telling you that this is a theory that some men in ministry have, is that, that first verse, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, is actually a summary of the next chapter. It's saying. Okay, and and God, all the stuff that we're about to tell you specifically, specifically that he did, in this verse we're telling you he created all that, and then something happened. And they're saying there's a gap. Something took place between these two scriptures. And the next scripture says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the question is, how come when God creates things that are perfect, but then when he created this, darkness is upon him. Now that word darkness, it's not just like it was dark. The, the, the root word in the scripture actually means chaos. God doesn't create chaotic things. No. What we do is we take the things that God created and we make them chaotic. That's exactly right. And that's often our problem. Praise God. And so, what happened that caused his creation to be chaotic? What the gap theory infers is that in between these two verses, what happened was there's a scripture that said that Satan was cast out of heaven. Michael and the angels made war with him, and God cast him out of heaven. We know the story of what happened with him. And the thought is that between these two verses, God cast him out of heaven down to earth the scripture says I believe in Isaiah that he was cast down to earth and because of that darkness was upon the face of the deep chaos was here and the goal of Satan is to create chaos in the kingdom of God Amen. this has been his objective from the very beginning he gets cast out of heaven. He's making chaos on earth. Chaos. He wants to make chaos in the midst of order. And so there's things that God has set up in the Word of God uh, the fivefold ministry, uh, the institution of marriage. These things are all set in order by God Himself. And the objective of Satan is to say, I'm going to make chaos out of it. I'm going to muddy the waters. I'm going to confuse people. I'm going to get them distracted. And I'm going to pervert some things. And because of that, what God intended to be one thing, I'm going to make it into something ugly. I'm going to cause darkness to come upon the face of the deep. And so, his goal was chaos. I know this is like scrambled eggs this morning, but if you'll hang on, we'll have an omelet, okay? Um, he creates chaos. And let, let me let me put this in the real world, okay? There's a song based off of Scripture by the Winans. Anybody ever heard music by the Winans? Amen. If you have not, you'll be blessed if you go home and type in the Winans and go listen to some music. This is several years ago, but black gospel. Black gospel, good stuff. And uh, they wrote a song called... Uh, yea and nay. And essentially it talks about it says uh, bring back the days of Yay and nay where we could clearly see the way. And it was up to us to say or up to us to choose whether to win or lose. Bring back the times where young, men, young boys grew into men yes. and young girls grew into ladies. In the midst of complexity, we search for yay and nay. There was a different time in the church when there was a lot of things that we don't have to deal with that we deal with today. Amen. And what has happened? Well, time has went on, and he's made the world more chaotic. And individual things, he's marched around, and he marches as... A lion seeking whom he may devour and what he may muddy up. And that's what he's done. That's what he continues to do. Now, let me back up a little bit further once more. God begins creating all these things. And we know that in the scriptures, one by one, he would begin to say, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And the scripture would say, and it was so. And then later on, he would say, and it was good. And so you've got this pattern. I've got it marked in my Bible I've, all through Genesis where he would say, and God said. And then later on, it would say, and it was so. And then after that, he would say, and it was good. And every time he would say that God said, and it was so, and it was good. God said, and it was so, and it was good. And then there comes a scripture where he said, and it is not good. Now, what do you think is the first thing that God said? It is not good. It's our text today, Genesis two and verse eighteen. And the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an helpmate for him." The big issue with God was not that. Uh, polar ice caps were Bill. He didn't look at some big part of creation, some landmark on the planet and say, well, that's not good. I need to change that. But when it came to the point when he said it is not good, it had to do with something called relationships. Relationships. Amen. So... This is what I'm trying to bring together today. Relationships are ordained by God. Yes. As a matter of fact, the greatest tool of evangelism, soul winning, of discipleship is relationships. Amen. It's not a Bible study tool. It's not a Bible study software. It's not a fancy study Bible. The key that God has placed in order is Relationships. And if you want to have any kind of ministry that's effective, you better understand that you're going to have to deal with relationships. And the better those relationships are, the bigger chance you're going to have of winning those people. Amen. Or getting along with those people. Making it to heaven one day with those people hopefully. You've got to make this relationship thing right. It's ordained by God. He said it's not good if there's not relationship. I created this. I know what I'm talking about. It's not good that man should be without woman. And I'm, you know, this scripture specifically is mostly used for husband and wife, marriage relationships, and that's included in all this. But generally, I need you, you need me. God created a church, a bride that is his church. It's made up of many millions and millions of people. For the purpose of relationships. And he creates these small relationships that you and I have together. All supposed to point to one day the ultimate relationship that we're going to have with him. That's right. And so we got to make these relationships right. And make sure we're getting good practice down here. So one day when we're with him forever we'll have yes. a good relationship then. We want it to reflect that. And so the devil comes down, and he wants to muddy relationships that you have today. Now, we're not going to pretend this morning like every relationship with every person that you have is just peachy king. Okay? I would be willing to bet that there is somebody that you have a relationship with, whether acquaintance, acquaintance, a friend, a longtime friend, a relative, a loved one, or maybe it's your husband that you just can't stand There's somebody. There's somebody. What are you pointing to be for? There's somebody that you don't really get along with. And maybe you don't fight with them, but you just, they, they rub your fur wrong when you're around them. person's annoying, my God. And, and you just really can't stand being around them. We don't pretend like we've got all our relationships right. And matter of fact, I, I'm gonna be real transparent with you. Just yesterday, I was in a restaurant. And uh, I was sitting at the table. And somebody, I heard a voice. And there's some people when you hear their voice, it strikes fear into your heart. Because you automatically know who it is. And the voice is associated with it, who that person is. And I was sitting, we were, and it was date night. You understand? I I, I, I want to have a good date night. And so, Sister Kirsten was sitting across from me. And I hear this voice, and I turn and just get one glance. That's all it took. And I said, honey, let's look this direction. And you can call that terrible. You can call it whatever you want. But I was preventing a bad situation. Okay? And somebody that I used to work with that just, we did not get along very well at all. And I already knew what this was going to be like. And so I said, baby, what do you think about that plan over there? (laughs) And there are relationships that don't always, it's not always going to be perfect, right? They're complicated. Yeah. Yes. You know why? Because they're not you. Mm-hmm. This, this is a problem that we, it's an expectation we have in relationships that that person's got to be just like I am. They are like what I like. They <laughs> are hate what I hate. And if they got any other kind of opinion, something wrong with here this morning. I'm just just kind of venturing out. Um, There's people that that move constantly, constantly from uh, marital relationship to marital relationship and they're thinking, man, what is wrong with these people? And sometimes I need somebody to tell them, what is wrong with you? And I've sat in counseling sessions. Not as many as our pastor, but I've sat in quite a few where it's like, there's not a whole lot that you can say sometimes because the people have to be willing to set down their opinions of the other person and start adopting some opinions about themselves. That's right. And Not everybody wants to do that. Matter of fact, 90% of the time they don't. But if you really want to fix a relationship, sometimes you have to look in the mirror. Amen. And so, now, okay, these are uh, romantic relationships, friendships that we have, but look at here. We've got a church of relationships. We've got people in this room. You have relationships with each other. And the goal of Satan is to come down and to say, I'm going to muddy those relationships. I'm going to get you mad at that person. And I'm going to get them mad at that person. And and in doing all this, I'm going to create chaos in the church. And in doing this, I'm going to hinder a revival because of something that really don't matter that much at all. I was was in a church somewhere north, south, east, and west of here one time when somebody on the platform got mad and stormed out and never came. This was somebody who operated the music of that church. They got so mad, they stormed off the platform, left that church because somebody moved their microphone. <laughs> My God. Uh, I don't want to have to fear this morning that if I move this Kleenex box to this seat right here half the people in this room are going to get up Dear Lord. I'm sorry, Brother Wayne. I'll move it back. I will move it back. I know you're about ready to get up. (coughs) Amen. Isn't that goofy? Yeah. Come on now. But this is relationships, ladies and gentlemen. They're complicated. Sometimes they involve silly, goofy stuff. And, and then, you know, 24 hours later, it ought to be that long, but most of the time we're so stubborn and ignorant that it takes us that long. We stand back and we think, man, that was really dumb. And then we go to that person and we're like, we love you, and really that's what you should have done in the first place, you know. I got so concerned with that Kleenex box, you know. Satan wants us to focus on those small things. Yeah, and he puts an emphasis, and it puts something in your mind. that Well, they shouldn't have done that. I can't believe they did that. Then you start treating that person different. Then they start treating you different. Yeah. And then there's friction. This is a word that I really want to use today. Friction. If he can create some friction between people. God doesn't intend for that. God wants his church to be a well-oiled machine. That's right. Where there's no stops. There's no... Uh, There's no kinks in that engine. It's working smooth. It's oiled up. And he wants every gear of his congregation to work together because we've got a destination we're taking this truck to. And sometimes, you know, all it takes is just one thing and that engine is thrown a rod. And it can take it off course. We look at this revival that this church is having. This is what God is speaking today. The relationships in my church are a great and mighty part of the revival I'm going to have. Amen. That's right. And anything that will get in the way of that with you and your brother, with you and your sister needs to be tossed out of the way. Because you're a gear and the engine of revival. That I have created that I have ordained and just a small thing I think for the most part in this room we get along with one another I mean this is a friendly church I have people all the time that will come into this place and then when we go out to eat or later on when they come and talk to me they say you have the friendliest church Your people are just loving they're wonderful people I believe that with all my heart what I also believe is I've been in loving churches wonderful churches where people have problems with one another that laid down for a long time and then eventually it come out and it did not go well. What is it that you may have aught with your brother about? What is it that maybe you have let lie dormant in your spirit? I know this is not a normal Sunday morning. What is it? What is it that they may have a problem with you about? Relationships They're essential. They they are by God. They're ordained. And because of that, sometimes they get complicated. They get complicated. They're not free of problems, you understand. Satan is continually creating chaos. He's created chaos in the world of marriage, the institution of marriage, today worse than he ever has. When When you... when you have a constantly growing range of genders, I think they said the other day it's up to almost 200 different genders that you can have. Hmm. I don't, uh, and Brother March, I don't know if you. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I don't know if you associate as a man or a tree or a dog. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> Chaos. And you gotta go into the doctor and on this paper they gotta put down, you know, what your gender is. And and they gotta, you know, they're well it ought to be just well they're either man or woman. Right. But then you got these forty five hundred different things that they you know a choo choo Chaos is what he's trying to create in this world. Right. And it's, it's growing so it's more effective as time goes on. It's chaos. It's created a confusion about what truth is. This is postmodernism. Say that nothing is truth. You can't tell me exactly what truth is. And that's your truth and this is my truth. That all that all contradicts itself. Truth is truth and it stands alone by definition. That's right. Amen. And so there you don't got your truth and my truth and their truth and his truth and her truth. You got God's truth. That's right. And that's what's going to determine black or white, right or wrong, took up or left at the end of days. There's a measurement system that's true. It's not and you know, if they want, you want to differ with that, that's fine. It ain't going matter. One day, you'll see it clearly. Yes. <laughs> you'll see it clearly. There's no question about that. And so he creates this postmodernism thing. You, you hear that word. You hear that word somebody speaking. I want to tell you, you may as well turn it off. If you're reading a book that, that begins with postmodernism, throw that thing out. What that means is these people say you can believe whatever you want to because there's nothing to hinge on to in this world. Chaos. And so the most, the one thing that God said, it's not good if this happens. He's, I mean, he aims in on that. He zones in on that. And he said, I'm going to make chaos out of that. And what do you have with Adam and Eve? At the very beginning, we've got chaos. And so God, God, what was not good, he makes it good. He creates woman. Now, here you go, ladies. The world, evidently, it was not good for a period of time, and God created you. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a point when God was done with everything, and even man, he said, it's not good. I need a woman. Thank God for that. Amen. Any men say amen. amen? J.R., come on now. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. God created a woman and it was it was good. It was good. And now I'm not just gonna let you ladies off the hook, okay? And I'm not gonna let the men off the hook either. We've got this deal we talk about, well, if Eve wouldn't have took of that fruit. No, 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 no. Hang on. Adam was placed in that garden to take care of. Him. And to tend it. How come there's a snake coming in that garden? That's right. Sir, God has placed you over this garden to tend it. That's right. And to make sure, one time I got off work and I walked in the house and Kirsten had not got home yet, got off early. Don't happen very often. And I got home and uh, first thing I do is take my boots off. I'm getting ready for a shower. I take these boots off, I take my socks off, I'm barefooted. Well, then I remember, well, i got to take this trash out. So I'm barefooted, I pick up this trash sack, I go out my front door and I'm going to throw it in the bin and barefooted, I take a step out this door and I am inches from stepping right on a snake. And let me tell you, if you can throw a trash sack far, <laughs> it nearly ended up in the a house across the street. And I ran around my house like I was shouting for glory. I missed that snake. I went and got my boots back on and got a shovel and killed that thing. That's right. Had nobody been tending the cannons. And so God places him in the garden and says, I want you to tend to this garden. Is, am I boring, y'all? And he said, oh, I want you to tend this garden. Take care of it because I created it for you. You're going to be eating from it. You better, you better tend it. We don't got mass farmers. Out. It's you, son. Take care of your garden. And a snake comes in. And because you have neglected to take care of what God has put under you for responsibility all, brother. as a man, you have placed your wife in danger. Yes. You have already hindered this relationship. That's right. And so it's not just his fault either. My question, this is a question that I've got. How long, the Bible doesn't say, but how long was Eve at this tree where this, in the presence of this serpent how long was she with this serpent to the point where it completely changed and affected her judgment? How long was she in the presence of an evil spirit that it corrupted the pure spirit that God had created in her? How long are you in the presence of something that it changes what you know is right and what's wrong? That's right. That's good. It ain't all on Adam. And so... She gets out of there and she's been corrupted. She goes and she helps corrupt her husband who's ignorant enough not to know that, you know, you're supposed to take care of this garden. And yeah, sure, I'll, t- I'll take, a- take that fruit. Instead of explaining and trying to be the priest in the home and saying that, yeah, we, we're not going to do this, huh? we We're not going to do this in our home. Rel- relationship was broken. And just one serpent in the garden that was supposed to be intended to, there's chaos. That's right. There's chaos. Now let me hone in on the home just a little bit. You are not always going to have a perfect relationship with your spouse. You're not going to. Things ain't always going to be la-di-da. And if you meet somebody who says, well, we never fight. Believe it when I see it. Amen. I, I, you're a different person. They're not you. They don't have all the likes and dislikes that you've got. It's not always going to go right. Okay. Nonetheless, it's a relationship that God's ordained. That's right. So you better make sure that it's right. And he creates chaos. He creates chaos. You've got to get used to the fact that these the person that you're with, the relationship that you've got, whether it's a husband or, or a friend or whatever they are, they're not going to be just like you, and you have to accept some things. You've got to tolerate some things. Let me throw this out there. I'm not, I'm not for being around somebody who's got a trashy mouth that wants to cuss all the time. I'm not for that. I won't stick around very long at all, and I'll say something about it. However, there's some times in order to win somebody I have to tolerate a little bit. Yeah. That's true. Your hello? That's true. I don't mean I have to sit there and listen to a bunch of junk and take them the name of the Lord anyway. But sometimes in order to reach past a rough exterior, you've got to tolerate a few things. Yes, you do. Don't you know that Jesus did? Yes. He sat with tax collectors and sinners and ate lunch these men were most likely talking about how they were swiping off the top and taking some of that tax for themselves illegally. That's what they were doing. But he sat and ate lunch with them. Why? Because he wanted to reach them. Right. No, they were not him. Yes, they were a relationship that needed to be reached. Sometimes you got to tolerate some things. People are different. When you get married, you find out it's not the same person as you are. You didn't marry yourself. Amen. You find out who the person is. Usually it takes a year or more. You ever, any man, you ever come home and uh, i, I got to be careful how much I talk here. You come, you come home and you get off work and you come home and your wife has painted five rooms. We got one brother that's honest in here, praise God. And she's moved your your uh, lazy boy to the one spot in the old house where you can't set your coffee and there ain't no light. You know, I got over that a long time ago. And you know what I did? I issued an edict, and I said, "Thou shalt not." Touch my office. Lest some evil shall befall you. (laughs) You can touch everything else in this house. But if I come to my office. And well it's a wreck in there. I know it's a wreck. But I know where everything's at. (laughs) Amen. And. You've got to deal with things like that. Yes. Yes. We've got the men, we've got to do our part of the relationship, and we've got to take the responsibility and take care of that garden. And the women, we've got to support our men and do our part in the garden as well. It's not an unbalanced thing. You, you think this morning that it's an unbalanced thing where, you know, the men hold all the power and you are dead wrong. I did sit in, in, I did sit in uh, a counseling session one time where <clears throat> I was just observing, thank God, I didn't, you know, I'd, rather, I'd soon eat popcorn and watch what was going on and be involved with it, but I hadn't before. And it's, you know, it started out, well, who wants to start? And the man goes, well, I'm the man in the household, I guess I'll start, I said, I can already tell you the problem right here. Yeah, we're going to start with you, all right. (laughs) That joker, i tell you what. Half the problem, yeah, definitely was him. Half the problem was him. But you know what? There was such a problem there with and understanding the roles of relationship and this person doing their part and that person doing their part that I didn't go to this next council session but the minister friend that did it told me all about it and I'll never forget this story I'll tell you right now I've never heard a council session go like this but I would love to have my popcorn and been there when it happened that first session didn't go very well and I was glad to get my little bag and my Bible and get <laughs> But he had another one and tried to make some progress and both of them worked in a field somewhere, I don't know, well, or farm or something. And they were all the time, the problem was they were always adding, always adding. And uh, got in there and they just tore into each other. I mean, just tearing into each other. And he said, just, just stop, stop. I don't, I don't hear that. You know, you can sit there and yell at each other for 15 minutes and not get anything accomplished. And here's a little note of advice. If you can't have a reasonable conversation, stop. Amen. Amen. Boy, y'all didn't know what she's coming to this morning, did you? Is this all right? Yes, it is. Amen. Hey, you know, in all this, God's saying something. Get your relationships right. I've got Amen. a church. I don't want everything to be in order. I don't want chaos. <coughs> and so they're sitting in here and they're just eating each other up. And he said, "Just stop. Just stop." If you don't think a pastor has a long work day, you've got another thing coming. And he said, just stop. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those shoes off. What? Take your shoes off. And he said, he's, I don't like feet, okay? So this man's braver than I am. I don't, I don't have nothing to do with your feet. Hallelujah. And this man in his office told them, to take, take my shoes off. He said, here's the deal. You need to take your shoes off and I'll help your marriage or you can go on out here and keep on yelling at each other and nothing will happen. He said, so you make a choice right now. He so said, I ain't got all the time in the world. I've got a family too. And so they took their shoes off. And he said, put them shoes right there. And he had a coffee table in his office and they put their shoes up on the coffee table. And he said that if you can imagine the ugliest, nastiest-looking thing in the world, that's what was on top of his coffee Some nasty-looking feet. And here's another free one. Wash your feet. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he thought, oh, my God, what in the world? We've done come on another problem. And you know what it told them? He said, your whole problem is your relationship looks like your feet. And you know what he had them do? He had them wash each other's feet. Amen. And I've almost decided, I've almost decided that may be the best remedy for any marriage counseling there is. Because when you get done having foot washing, if you ain't humble, you don't know how to treat that person. That's right. And they did that, and they're still married today. They got rid of some some pride and some junk that was in their life. You know, sometimes we need to step back and take off our boots and, and, and take a little look in the mirror a little bit. God's ordained relationships that we have, and if our relationships look like nasty feet, it's time to have a foot wash. Time to get rid of some pride. It's time to get rid of some things. Amen. You got to deal sometimes with things that you weren't used to dealing with when you were alone. You want to know what my, my pet peeve is? I don't know if I'm teaching or getting letting off some hot air or something. One of my pet peeves is when, I've got a bunch of socks that you know are different, and and when when I get, I find one sock out of the laundry, and then the other sock, it may be on Pluto, I don't know. You know, and I'll never find it. Is it? can I get a witness? Is there anybody? There any married folks that say, yeah, that's me. You know. Here's another free one, a safety pin. Put them two dudes together and wash them. you will going have no more problems. You say, well, brother, you're not really teaching this morning. No, I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about relationships. you got to deal with that. And you know what? There's sometimes I come home. I'm a preacher. I'm human, okay? I'm mad. I'm disgusted. I'm done with everybody in this world. I just want to go home and get a cup of coffee and relax for a little bit. Now, Brother Wilson's not really that way because he don't do much work, but... <laughs> oh, And, you know, there's sometimes that she comes home that way. And you know what? When she's that way, I don't get... Because she's a little bit cranky because of what's happened. I don't get evil toward her and say, you need to. You just need to straighten up. You need to step back and understand that you have some days like that, too. Yes. You have some days like that, too. And what you've got to do is uplift that person. Yes. you got to uplift them. Amen. And if you're a man, you need to treat her with some love. That's right. You need to tell her how pretty she looks, you know how much you love her, and if you're a woman, you need to, if, if there's any other way that I could describe it, you need to just kind of shine him up like he's metal, you know, That's or chrome, right. make him feel good about himself, because men are prideful, yes. God, we are prideful people, and just shine him up a little bit, and before long, he'll be looking brand new. That's right. But if there wasn't that relationship, it wouldn't have been that way. That's right. And God says today, I don't want chaos in my church. That's right. I don't want chaos in my homes. I don't want chaos on the platform. I don't want chaos in the prayer room, in the fellowship hall. And you're going to have differences, and there's going to be people you don't very much care for sometimes. But you know what? It's a relationship, and we've got to make it right. Yes. Amen. We've got to tend our garden. We've got emotions. We get attitudes sometimes. We've got to calm those things down. Amen. We've got to calm them down. Amen. And men, men are not, men are not the uh, the supreme species. Okay. The Bible says. Wives, submit to your husbands. It also says, husbands, love your wives as God loved the church. How did God love the church? He would die for it. That's right. He'd do whatever needed to be done. Take responsibility. Just like a man's got to take responsibility. There's nobody that's better than another. Sometimes God gives spiritual authority to some people over another. But when it comes to this relationship thing, we've got to meet halfway. Yes. We've got to do our part. We want respect, we've got to give respect. That's right. We want to, to be loved, we've got to love somebody. Amen. We've got to give attention. Attention. You know what I do? I, I'm going to tell you, I have some busy weeks busy week. Brother Marshall, he'll tell you, I had a busy week this week. I worked like crazy. I'm still here to prepare what I'm giving you today. There's sometimes we preach out and there will be a weekend where we go and preach out at a church or two churches and then we'll come here and I'll preach here and I've worked all week too and it's just running around like crazy. Sometimes I've got to go without her and go preach somewhere and I hate doing that but sometimes it's necessary. And You know what I do when I get home? This is what I started doing. This wasn't always me. This is what I started doing when I get home. I take that phone and I put it in the bedroom on the charger away from me. And I don't answer that phone unless it's one of very few people. My pastor, my bishop, my father-in-laws, and very few other people. Because of the fact that I understand, if I've been that busy and I come in here, there is nothing more important than that little lady that's sitting in my living room. That's right. There's nothing going to take the place of that. That's right. And you, you don't give attention to it, you'll lose it. That's yes. A relationship that God has ordained. I stood on this platform and we gave our vows. And I said, in sickness and in health, I didn't say busy or not busy, but I, you know what? It better be that. And so you, you you, may have to tend the garden. You may have to get some things out. But God says it's a relationship. I want it taken care of. I give you all these other things. I give you a car. I give you this. I give you that. And you make importance out of all these other things. You better take care of the relationship I give you. Amen. And you know what? Before I want anybody else to make it to heaven, I don't want that young lady back there to make it to heaven. That's right. Yeah. If I failed there, I have failed gravely. That's right. If our kids don't make it, we have failed greatly. That's right. You know how we're going to start? It's not going to be enrolling them in Bible college at seven years old, it's going to be having a relationship with that child. That's right. You know what the biggest problem I see? As being the youth pastors, several different young people over a period of time, a lot of times the parents don't have a right relationship with the child in the first place. Hey, they want to be their friend and not their parent. That's right. Got to get the relationship right. right. Is this okay? Yeah. I promise you I'm about done. But, hey, we better get it right. If that's your wife, you're not her boss. That's right. If that's your husband, it's not your whipping post. Amen. Right. Hey, you can come in and vent on him every, all day, every day. If it's your friend, it's not somebody you can just take advantage of and mooch off of. That's right. Okay. We've got to have a right relationship. Yes, we and I want this relationship to resemble a greater relationship that I'm going to have. You know, God's church is supposed to work in harmony. Yes. And God has a process. He's got a process. And it don't involve getting mad about a new microphone. I had a parent one time come in and try to tell me as a youth pastor that I just need to tell their child off. You, I've got her here. You need to tear into her. You know, I told them. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, but I'd like to tear into you. I can do that because it's very clear that you don't care too much about them. What I'm observing is that you haven't treated them with love as the child that you have. And there's a time and a place for telling them what's right and what's wrong, but if that child didn't get love from the parent, they don't feel love by that parent, they're gonna resent everything that comes out of their mouth. That's right. You could tell them the rightest thing in the world, and you could read them Acts 2.38 and tell them it's truth, but you do if they don't feel love from you, they're not gonna receive that. They're not gonna accept it. It's all in the relationship. We don't get the relationship right. Do you think that I'm gonna win somebody that I have friction with all the time. And yeah, they do stupid stuff, but then I react to it wrongly and take it out on them and beat them over the head with it. This relationship thing is important. It's important. It's complicated. It's dirty work. It's dirtier work than that job. He had to get in garden and plow and should have been and making sure there ain't no snake in that garden. He got dirty doing that. But it's part of building up that relationship. You know what God wants? What God really wants. He wants everybody in his church, as much as possible, to have love for one another. If if you fall, I want to be there to try and pick you up. I may not be related to you, but this is a family in this church. Can somebody say amen? amen. amen. This is not just a congregation at this church. We are a family. This is a family. And, and the song says something like, You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand. Sometimes I've got to leave. Everything is about me and I worry about my brother or my sister. Amen. If you you have a problem, if you're going through something, you don't need to hold it all in in this church. You don't need to hold it. There's people that care about you here. There's people that want to see your success. They want to see you loved. And just the same as you, if there's somebody that comes in here and they had before, and they're strode out on pills and all kind of junk, they need love. Yes, they do. Hello. They need love, and they may not be entirely coherent. But I've seen it happen. There may be a day, Brother Marks, where they come back and they say, "I was strode out, but I remember somebody showing me love, Amen, and somebody that was reaching out, trying to have a relationship with me." I me and Sister Kirsten just yesterday uh, had an encounter with somebody that's dealing with all kind of drugs and junk. And what they were trying to do in that conversation, they knew we knew. They were trying to get us to feel sorry for them. And we did. That wasn't the issue. Couldn't give them money. Couldn't do that. But you know, the whole time what they were doing was reaching out for a relationship. They're reaching out. And really, they don't know it. They're reaching out to you, but they're reaching out to God. Yes, they are. Yeah. And they're reaching out for something that's stable and solid truth in a world of postmodernism. It tells them that don't worry about what everybody else says is true. Whatever makes you feel good. And so they've hung on to that feel good, feel good, feel good. And it's not got them anywhere. It's brought them down to destruction. Sometimes that's what it takes at the bottom of the barrel for somebody to turn around and say, there is a truth that I hold on to. But you know what? They will never ever find it if there's not somebody that's reached out a hand and said, I'll have a relationship with you. That's right. I don't care that everybody else thinks that you're trash. I don't care that your relatives have left you. I don't care that your kids have turned around and traveled miles away to get away from you. God's ordained this relationship. I feel holy. There's somebody in this room, I feel in the Holy Ghost, that there's a relative that that has torn you up. And because of their actions, they've hurt you down to your core. And you've tried to reach out to them, and you're you're just at the point where you're like, I'm going to give up. And they may still hurt you. What I'm telling you today is God says that's a relationship I've ordained. It's a relationship I've ordained. And if you'll hang on a minute, I know they look terrible. I know they're embarrassing you. But if you'll hang on long enough and try to resemble the relationship that I've got with you, it'll make a difference. Would you stand with me this morning? I, the, the one person that i that I'm driven to in my mind is Brother Nick Mahaney. Who we may have preached in this church at some point. Brother Nick Mahaney had a dad, Charles Mahaney, that preached this truth. Yes. He preached this truth all over this world. Mm-hmm. Love, man of God. And his son one day turned away, from every bit of it, got involved with every drug he could think of every evil relationship you can think of. He was one of the top men in a gang at one point. But he will tell you that he had a mother at home that was praying so hard he couldn't stay in all of it. He couldn't stay in all of it. And when he would come home to visit, she wouldn't shut her door to him. There's some of us in this room that could say that because of a relationship, because somebody refused to shut the door in our face, that was apostolic and believed God, because of that, we're here today. That's right. I've never done a drug. I've never drank any alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette, marijuana. I've never done any, any of that. And I thank God for it. But I want to tell you this. If it wasn't for a relationship, I wouldn't be. But well, you grew up in a pastor's home. Yes, I did. That makes it harder it absolutely does you live in a glass house but if it wasn't for a mom and dad a grandmother that said whatever you choose to do we're gonna love you but this is the truth some point they've got to make a decision on their own. You can make somebody come to church, and that one day they'll just leave and say, I don't have nothing to do with it. You made me come to that place. They've got to make that decision. It all starts with a relationship. Would you lift your hands right now? Let's ask God, Lord, improve our relationships, God. Improve our relationships, Jesus you